tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? All right, Rich, we're, we're sitting down this week to talk with uh, Terry Mayo, and uh, he we reached out to him to read his uh, comic book, Wicked, no, Wicked Righteousness, sorry. <laughs> The Wicked Righteous. <laughs> the Wicked Righteous. There you go. I have it, Now I have it right in front of me. I just pulled it up. But uh, I <laughs> wanted to say, you know, I really enjoyed uh, reading the book, and I'm, I'm glad that we got to sit down and talk. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Me too. Rich, what did you think? Uh, yeah, so I, I have to say, uh, first off, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, and thank you for actually sending us the first uh, issue of the book, which isn't out yet. It's coming out, I think you said, in January of 2017. Is that correct? Right, January 12, 2017. Uh, it'll be on Comixology, uh, releasing it through Alterna. Nice. Uh, now, are so with it being through Comixology, is it just going to be digital, or is there going to be like physical copies of The Wicked Righteous that comes out as well? There's, yeah, there's gonna it's gonna be both. It'll be uh, digital first, and we're gonna be doing an every other month release type thing. So it'll be January, March, so on, and then uh, I'll be printing off single issues to take to cons. Uh, I've already committed to a couple: uh, San Diego, Chicago. Uh, New York, and then um, and then we're going to collect them all, put them out in a graphic uh, novel as long as everything goes well. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, I have to agree with Mitch. Uh, I was very intrigued by the first uh, issue. I almost said episode, um, but no, the first issue I thought was uh, was very incredible. And I, I, without giving any spoilers, I'll just say when I got to the last page of the first uh, issue, I was like, oh no, I want more. I want so much more. And, and now we have to wait. Uh, which is a good thing, I would say, because I think if you you know got to the end, you're like, ah, I'm done with this. That wouldn't be good. But, but yeah, I, I've I've very much enjoyed the the story, and I don't know how much you want to get into talking about the first issue. Like, I don't I don't know if you're like kind of being cognizant of spoilers or anything like that. I don't you know. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of already been given the. Uh... A short leash on what I can and can't say before the book comes out. So I, I can go into it. I just couldn't give any uh, give anything away that's uh, too in depth. Okay, fair right. enough. Fair enough. Uh, totally understandable. I don't want to ruin the experience for anyone because it is <laughs> definitely experience worth having. But uh, in your own words, if you will, um, do you want to just tell the listeners kind of what the Wicked Righteous is all about and and kind of. Uh, maybe what brought you to telling this story? Sure, sure. Um, well, okay. Well, first of all, the story is is <laughs> I like to think of it as like a coming of age story. I I have four boys of my own, and um, whenever we take long road trips, I'm always telling stories, and my stories usually start off with, well, there's these four brothers, and then it goes from there. 
So the story that uh, the wicked righteous, um, it's about these four brothers <laughs> and uh, it takes place in San Diego. Uh, but in this world, something has happened, of course, and a large percentage of the population has, uh, has died. And the only people left, well, are the wicked and the righteous. I, I won't go into too much more on that. But, um, but the story basically, basically is going to follow these four brothers, the good speeds, and, uh, and their, their adventures uh, through this, I guess you want to call it a post-apocalyptic San Diego, if you will. <laughs> and those four brothers, I don't, am I allowed to say their names? Sure, sure. So it's, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was Johnny, Matt, Lucas, and Mark, right? Right. Okay, so yeah, they're kind of the four brothers. And yeah, it's, I can't stress it enough. Like, I'm so excited for this to come out and people to read it, because I think it's an incredible story. Uh, Thank you. So I guess we could talk a little bit maybe about the the process, if you will. So this is the first comic that you have written and are having published is that correct this is the first uh comic that i'm going to have published i've i've had a few that were independent uh you know just when i was learning how to do everything but this one is the one the, the first one that's actually going to be out uh for sale so really excited i would like to know what what was the the time frame from conception to uh knowing that it's going to be published got it uh, it was kind of a long one on this one, just because I went through a few artists before I found someone that uh, that I was happy with. So I think the initial concept was, I wrote the first draft of the script maybe two years ago. Uh, and it was just kind of when I was learning how to do things, uh, set things up. It had been a story that I've been thinking about for a, a long, long time. Um, so the first artist didn't work out, put it on the shelf for a while, rewrote it about three, four times. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then over the course of the last year, just been getting it all put together. I'm already on issue three right now. Well, that's what they say. Writing is all about rewriting, right? Oh yeah. I, I'm not done rewriting until I turn it into the <laughs> alternate. <laughs> And so you, you uh, speaking of the comic book artist, I believe it was, uh, his name was Lucas Rom Romero. Am I saying that right? Right, Lu Lucas Romero. He's uh, from Buenos Aires. Fantastic. So how, so you were saying that you kind of wrote the first draft of the, the script and then you approached uh, your first artist and, and then how, so what's that process kind of like? Like, how did you go about finding an artist? Did you, do you have to pay that artist out of pocket or do you get like some sort of advance from Alterna or how does that kind of work? Okay. Um, well, I am paying out of pocket uh, for the, for the artist. The uh, we'll just, talk about Lucas, I guess. Lucas uh, approached me, actually. I was uh, on vacation. I wasn't even thinking about the book except for in the, by, by Comic-Con of 2017, I wanted to have it out. Uh, and then out of the blue, Lucas sent me a, a message through Twitter, I think it was. And he was uh, saying, hey, I really enjoy some of the stuff that you've been putting on your Facebook. Um, if you ever want to collaborate, let me know. So I took a look at his page and 
his stuff is just amazing. Um, I know he's done some stuff down there in, in Buenos Aires, Argentina area, uh, but nothing in the States. So he was excited as well um, about that opportunity. So pretty much, I want to say three weeks after talking to him, we had a contract um, and I am paying him per, uh, per page. It's a page rate, which I know a lot, it kind of varies on the independent side, but I, 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 I've kind of learned <laughs> that you pay for what you get. So if you, if you low ball, you're going to get low ball results. <laughs> right. That's totally understandable. His art, I have to say, uh, I, of course, I would imagine a, a lot of people, like you said, since he hasn't done anything in the States, aren't super familiar with his art yet. But mm -hmm. I would say that that was uh, also a very complimentary thing within the first issue. I mean, his art definitely uh, seems to go very hand in hand with the writing that you have. Uh, so awesome job there lucas if you listen to this uh, it's <laughs> yeah. awesome and, and it is it's one of those things because when i was writing the writing the script you know i was thinking more along the lines of something um more realistic as far as uh, style like walking dead or, or uh, like why the last man that kind of look at least but it was, as soon as i saw his stuff i was like oh screw that i'm, I'm <laughs> but i but his art is amazing it just it it completely goes with the story with the characters with everything it just it wouldn't be the same story without lucas's art so like when you when you sit down and you were writing the script were you at all thinking of the visual storytelling element like besides just that you wanted it to look realistic were you like like how does that work like did you send him like kind of uh, additional notes and breakdowns of kind of like what each little panel should be or did he just kind of read it and then say hey this is kind of what i'm thinking or what's that process like okay uh well i, I have a background in uh in spec scripts uh back in the 90s i, I did some some spec scripts that never turned any to anything. So my writing style for comics is, is kind of along that style as well, where it's uh, it looks very familiar to like the final draft, if you would. Um, so it's it's I feel like at least it's kind of easy to, to follow with the panel with the dialogue, and but the biggest thing with Lucas is that he's his English is not that great. <laughs> Being from Buenos Aires, <laughs> and my Spanish is not that great. Um, so we we make do we we go back and forth a lot uh through twitter through the little message thing on twitter facebook just emails so he'll send me a panel if he's confused about something and we'll just go back and forth until we're both happy with it and i've told him that you know he he's he's in charge of of, of what it's going to look like i trust him completely with uh with that um because he's so amazing at it um but again, we, we go back and forth. Pretty much every page, he'll do the roughs. We'll talk about it, what needs to be changed. Then we'll go to the inks. And then from there, it's, it's pretty much a game onto the colors. So when you were writing uh, the story, can what, what were some of the, like, did you have any influences when you were, when you were writing? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I, just like a lot of people, I'm, I'm, I've been into Walking Dead since the show came on uh well since before the show came on um but um initially i wanted to go for more like a uh, what's the name of desolation jones i don't know if you've ever read that um i can't remember i think garth ennis wrote that a while back 
but that was kind of more like a noir type feel. But the more I wrote it, the more I was like, no, nah, that doesn't really fit the the teenage characters, the child characters that that I want to populate the the, the landscape. So I, I kind of lean more towards um, Morning Glories, I guess would be a good inspiration that I had. Okay. So is that is that a, a is that a good sample of the the type of books you're reading right now? Yeah, I read uh, <laughs> I read pretty much everything, but yeah, mostly it's uh, independent image, that kind of stuff. Very few of my pulls are are from the big two. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I just had to throw that yeah. out because everyone's usually like, ah, I'm so Marvel at DC. And I'm like, eh, I'm all image over here. Uh, <laughs> no, that's a there's so many. There's so many great things that come out through image. It's just amazing. Oh, my gosh. I know. Like, I uh, I actually just picked up um, AD After Death, which is by uh, Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but it also looks pretty incredible. Yeah, I haven't I haven't read mine either. <laughs> <laughs> so you, I think you had said in because uh, we were talking, you know, via email and Twitter and things like that. I think you had mentioned that you also had a uh, second graphic novel that you were already working on that was going to be put out through Disposable Legends, or that's what it's uh, called, Disposable Legends, yeah. through London Publisher. Right. It's uh, the London Publisher is called T Pub. And uh, they've released a lot of graphic novels over uh, in London and that area. And they're really making a push now to uh, get more books out in, in the States. Um, I sent a submission for the book called uh, Disposable Legends. Um, oh, gosh, about a year ago. And it was, again, about the same time that things started happening with The Wicked Righteous. I got, a, I got an email back from Neil Gibson, the, um, the editor there who said they wanted to move ahead with that. I wasn't planning on doing two books at the same time, just for budget reasons, but, <laughs> right. but, but you know, it's just one of those things I didn't want to turn down. I didn't want to, you know, lose opportunity because I really love both stories. I really want to put both of them out. It just uh, wasn't planning on doing it at the same time. Well, it's like they say when it, uh, when it rains, it pours, but uh, what a, what a good storm to be caught up in, I guess. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Do you, I'm, and I mean, I imagine you can't say much about that either, but do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what Disposable Legends is and maybe how that's different from what you're working on currently with uh, The Wicked and the Righteous? Sure. Um, yeah, it's it's completely different. It's a completely different feel. It's called, well, like I said, it's, uh, it's going to be just a graphic novel and it is going to be a Kickstarter campaign. I want to think in late summer is when they're going to start the Kickstarter campaign. If I'm not right, I might have to look at that. But um, Neil said I can't say too much, but right, it, right. It's it take it's a sci-fi type book. Um, takes place in a I guess a dystopian future where um, human cloning is okay, <laughs> uh, and it's been monopolized by a, a company that makes these clones to fight against each other. So you have clones of like uh, General Custer, uh, Attila the Hun, Vlad the Impaler, whatnot, and their uh, things go wrong, <laughs> and uh, and it plays out over about I want to say it would be six chapters, roughly 140, 150 pages. Nice. 
That's yeah. fantastic. So, like, so you were saying that you found, uh, you submitted the script to them. How did how mm-hmm. did you kind of find out about them? Were you reading like books from T Pub, and then you kind of reached out to them that way, or was it just like you were like looking for self publishing or something like that and came across it, or what was kind of the the process that led you to finding both of your publishers, if you will? Okay. Um, well, for T Pub, it was more Neil. Gibson has a bunch of books. It's an anthology called Twisted Dark. And um, I found the first volume of that on Comixology and went through it. And the, it's amazing stuff. So, and at the time, I didn't know, I thought he was the writer of the book. I didn't know he was the editor and, and whatnot of T Pub as well. So I went on the website. They said they were looking for submissions. And I was like, that's definitely a company I'd like to be involved with. So I sent. Um, sent the submission package over to them. It took me about a month um, to get everything ready, sent it off. And again, like I said, a couple of months later, heard back from them, um, which in the <laughs> couple years I've been doing this, I've never had uh, a couple months where someone notifies me. Either I get no answer at all, or it's uh, six months later saying, yeah, we're going we're gonna to pass. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, no. So. So it's been nice. It's been nice with that. And then Alterna was, like I said, about the same thing. Um, it was less than a month when I sent Peter uh, Sametti the 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 pitch for the Wicked Righteous that that he got back with me. I was like, oh, definitely we want to do this for for 2017. So or yeah, for 2017. So I've just been lucky, I guess, is the answer. <laughs> hey, that that's nothing wrong with that. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So do you have like, um, I know a lot of people that have basically created graphic novels and then, you know, they've obviously gained a a pretty substantial following. And I think kind of the cool thing that's happening now with the film world is that there's a lot of graphic novels that are independent, but are that are now being scouted for, you know, feature length films and stuff like that. Is that ever something that you kind of had in mind as like a goal for either one of these? Or would you like to see them be adapted into a film? Or would you rather see adapted into a TV show? (laughs) Film or TV? You know, there's so many good things. I enjoy more TV than I do movies nowadays. I mean, the movies are like, just interchangeable sometimes. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I'd be lying if I said when when I'm writing, I'm not thinking, oh, this would be cool as X, Y, and Z. This would, I would love, even the characters, some of my, which I won't say who they are, but um, I'm, oh, this guy would be perfect for this part, blah, blah, blah. But, so yeah, definitely, I I think about, I would love for them to be adapted to to movie, to TV, to anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, when you when you're writing and you, and you have uh, a certain, uh, per- I don't know, do you have it as a certain person in mind, or do you have it as be that person and then that's that's who you you uh, think about when when you see the character when you see the char- read the character. Right. Well, some of the characters just are who they are in my head, but then when I'm like plugging in different characters in the world, that's what I do is I, I think of an actor. Think of someone that I've known before, and I just and that character becomes that that person. Okay. So uh, I guess that's my cheat. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, if it works, it works. As, as I mean, when it comes to writing, like that is for me at least, that is not an easy arena to be in. Like it, you know. I'd say uh, I kind of quote Men in Black when I talk about me with writing, and it is the sense of like you'll either get used to it or you'll have a psychotic episode. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just like it's such a daunting thing to me, but I I do enjoy it, and I would imagine to a certain extent it's probably has to be the same for most writers i would i would imagine because you know you especially now because it's almost as if you're working on two different types of scripts but almost at the exact same time i would imagine between these two uh different worlds that you're crafting yeah and i, and I have had to have some sort of separation um and but it's also good because um once you get kind of to a point in one where you get stuck or you just are ruminating on on a, a set of dialogue that is just not working you can pause that go to the other one and then kind of get your brain working in a different direction and and a lot of times that really helps to kind of jump start where i was uh, stuck on the other one too so i mean but i've but i've always done that even on other things i've written is to kind of have at least one or two things on, on the back burner to to um to use as a distraction when I get lost, I guess. <laughs> it's probably a good idea, actually. You know, I, I can't take credit. I think I read that somewhere. I don't, I don't know where, but I think <laughs> it might have been like Stephen King or, or Brian Bendis or whatever his name is. <laughs> oh, right on. So do you, do you, uh, so obviously you read a lot of comics. Uh, do you also read a lot of, you know, just standard novels and things like that? I do, yeah. I'm if I'm not writing, I'm usually reading something or watching something. Um, I uh, think my wife got me a Stephen King book the other day, so I think that's what I'm about to start on whenever I get a free moment. But yeah, I'm I'm always reading or writing, so it really helps. They do go hand in hand. Is there a genre that you prefer over others? Horror. Horror. Okay, there <laughs> I'm you go. A, I'm a big horror thriller type fan, so. Yeah, if, if it can make me scared, I usually enjoy it. So is that something that we can expect from the further issues of uh, The Wicked Righteous? Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, I think there's going to be some jumps in there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> would you ever just write, like, a standalone, like, a horror uh, graphic novel or comic? Like, is that, like, somewhere in the in the pipeline of things that you would love to do? Uh, yeah, you know, and... Yes. <laughs> There's a short story that I'm working on now, which I can't give too much about. But sure. It's supposed to be late 2017. Uh, but yes, uh, there's a short story that I'm working on that's straight core. And then, um, but, and if Robert Kirkman hadn't come along and messed everything up, maybe I would have been able to write my great zombie comic. But, <laughs> but we'll see. One day, maybe. Yeah, I think uh, I think zombies are pretty much always going to be popular. I, I don't know that they'll ever, uh, you know, go away, which is kind of funny considering, you know, the undead coming back to life. It just seems like they can't die. Exactly. And they just exponentially get more and more popular, especially as, you know, The Walking Dead, the TV show has taken off. And, I mean, now there's tons and tons of films. So, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be cool to see a Terry Mayo zombie <laughs> series come along sometime <laughs> well don't tempt me <laughs> <laughs> so 
So like what uh, I know you're talking a little bit about kind of bouncing around and having multiple things on the burner, but like, do you have any other kind of like rituals or things that you do for your writing process that kind of really help you write? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I most of the time when I'm starting writing, I, I start off on I start off first on something that's that's like an idea. I have a whole idea folder basically so i'll open up an idea i'll get it started i'll write a couple pages before i even start on the wicked righteous or or, or disposable legends and just to kind of get things flowing because I, I know that artists they start off with their uh their warm-up sketches and i don't think it's any different for writers you have to kind of get the juices flowing so that's i do that and then i move on jump in right into what i'm doing um course some metallica never hurts some, <laughs> some background music never hurts it doesn't distract me but uh and i write better at night i don't know if that's the horror fan in me or not but i things seem to come out better now. so do you ever find that like the music that you're listening to starts maybe to like like weave itself into the mood of of like the specific <laughs> part that you're writing like do you ever look back and then realize that you've written this like awesome you know metallica montage of <laughs> like badassery that like has that ever happened yeah yeah like a whole inner sandman where the what is it terminator 2 with the yeah with the diesel just flying off the bridge like, where did i see that i just imagine it um uh yeah sometimes you know especially for the action scenes there's there's some heavy action scenes in, in both books uh and they're going to be and for those, I do kick it up to some of the heavier stuff. But for the most part, I, I, I kind of just let it play and, and just be in the background uh, while I'm writing. But for the heavy scenes, I turn it up and let it, let it make its mark. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's awesome. So like you were saying uh, earlier that you're, I believe you're working on, you said you're working on issue three at the moment? Uh, Wicked Righteous, right. Okay, so... Like, how far out do you have it kind of planned out? I, you know, thinking I'm an optimist. So I I, I see this as a three-part thing. And um, the first six issues are already, are already set. So, um, and that would be my first arc. Um, and, you know, everything will, and hopefully we'll be able to move on to the second arc, the third arc. Because uh, I, I really like the story, and I really, I really like where it's going. Um, but the first arc is six issues, 24 to 22 pages, uh, depending on the issue. Um, yeah, and that's for The Wicked Righteous. Well, I mean, I, I, I have to say you don't uh, have to be too much of an optimist, because I, I think after reading the first issue, you, you got me hooked, so I don't see why everybody else would also. <laughs> And and I'm one of those people that you were talking about that sticks to the to the main two. So <laughs> I, I would gladly read this book. Well, join the dark side, Mitch. It's fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been trying to convert him for years, so maybe now he'll finally listen to a third party and and get some some knowledge <laughs> dropped on his head. <laughs> I don't want to say too many bad things, just in case you know. Like I said, I'm an optimist. Maybe I'll get to work for one of them one day. But there you go. I don't, I don't want any bad quotes. I don't think there's anything wrong. Yeah, as I say, I don't think there's anything wrong with the big two at all. Because um, I totally agree with you. I think we'd all love some of that Marvel DC money. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I do, I do think it's interesting that, like, at least from my perspective, 
I think the cool thing about Image and a lot of the other independents is that they aren't really kind of restricted in what they can create. When you look at like Marvel and DC, I mean, they have obviously their their bigger characters. And when you take on one of those characters, you're kind of very, you know, fitted into what you can and can't do with those characters. And I think that's what's so incredible about a lot of the stuff that I've been reading, like with Image and what you're writing with The Wicked Righteous, is that you can really come in and create these these stories and these narratives from scratch. And there's really no... Uh, right or wrong there's no history that you know all of these people are going to look back and say oh i've been reading batman for 25 years and you just <laughs> crapped all over him you know like you you don't really have to worry about that and i think it allows perhaps uh and you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think it allows uh a lot more creative freedom and that i think maybe helps to allow you to take more risks and thus by proxy hopefully earn a lot more reward if you will yeah, no, I agree 100%. It's a, it, it really is freeing to, to, to do the creator-owned, to do an indie. Um, I was the only boy in my family. I had like 700 sisters, but I was the only boy. So, <laughs> I, you know, my G.O., my G.I. Joes were mine. My Star Wars were mine. So when I went over to a friend's house, I didn't want to play with their rules and their toys. I, you know, I liked being home playing with mine. It was my rules, my well, I could do whatever. And it's the same thing with the, with the indies. You know, you can sky's the limit you you know the only thing that's holding back is your, your imagination too true uh i you know that's uh obviously the the benefits of doing your own creator owned uh project and uh that's you know an incredible world to be dabbling in or at least be in uh, in your your uh case uh, you said that you're going to be going to san diego comic-con this year what's some of the uh how long have you been going to cons? Uh, I've been going to cons off and on. I mean, religiously the last five years, but four or five years. Um, but I've been going to cons since you could walk up and buy a ticket in San Diego. <laughs> so, uh, well, maybe the late 90s, I think, was my first time in San Diego Comic Con and didn't know what it was. I just moved out from Texas and uh, saw that it was going on, walked up, got a ticket, met Jimmy Bullock, the guy who plays Boba Fett, and, yes. and I was happy. I was happy. So, so then five years later, when I try to do that again, they're like, "Oh no, <laughs> tickets are sold out." So, so yeah, but uh, but yeah, I've gone to that one, gone to WonderCon, uh, gone to a few things here and there. But this will be my first push. Uh, 2017 will be my first push into branching out into some of the bigger ones. Like, I'm trying to get into ECC and see what happens there, and. Uh, but uh, with the C2E2, the Chicago one, right. going to that one. Really trying to get to New York. I think that one's set already. Uh, but just, you know, Optimus, sky's the limit. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you you're going to go and uh, you're going as kind of more um, as like an exhibitor now, I would imagine, right? Because you're going to be going and, and putting your work out there, right? Like, Or are you just going right. to enjoy the con uh now i'll be working i'll be slaving away <laughs> i'll be exhibiting awesome and so like with that um are you just doing one of your books right now or are you going to be kind of working with getting both of them out there at all the cons or how does how are you planning on doing that um well t-pop is going to be present at in the chicago one so i i 
and unless Neil gets mad at me, I'm pretty sure I'll be with them on that one uh, at their table. And I want to think he said he's going to be at Emerald City as well, but I may be wrong because he only comes to New York, Chicago, and I think one more. Um, so I would be with T-Pub for that one. Um, but other than that, I would be doing Alterna and doing uh, The Wicked Righteous. And hopefully Neil will give me the okay to, to sell uh, my other book as well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I think I think Mitch cut out there for a minute. Oh, sorry. Did or you ma- ask me a maybe, question? I, I don't know. It might it might have been on my end. I think it kind of froze up for a second. <laughs> so, like, when you're sitting down and you're and you're coming up with your stuff, do you typically kind of like do your outline? Like, did you sit down and actually create like a real in depth outline, or are you more of the type of writer that just kind of sits down and like it just dumps out of out of your brain and through your fingers into magic like is that how that <laughs> does that work that way for you no I'd, I'd be scared if it worked that way for me. i'd be <laughs> happy but i'd be scared um i do need to have an outline i mean an, i i have folder after folder because i'm an old guy and i <laughs> i'm just now getting used to computers and doing things like uh what is it uh, setting up different folders and whatnot on there so i have handwritten folders of of everything i've done and um, and it's all one through twenty-two page. So this scene, that scene, and I have it step by step, beat by beat, how I want the characters to be by the time they get to page twenty-two. And again, first outline to tenth draft, it changes drastically. But I do start out with an outline, at least. <laughs> well that's uh, yeah i think i need to work on that my, myself because i think i try to just uh write and it doesn't always work that way maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's my problem and let it flow <laughs> yeah, yeah and I, you know i i, I had two computers set up or or a, a big monitor cut the screen in half and uh and i have the script on one side the outline on the other and uh and just kind of go through it piece by piece kind of like legos and just until you're build something awesome hopefully yeah so when you're like reading other other like comic books and even novels and things like that for that matter like do you ever just kind of find your mind wandering into like deconstructing it from a creative standpoint like are you ever sitting there reading a comic and just analyzing you know the pacing or do you kind of try and stop yourself from doing that yeah and it's it's the same thing with everything like movies TV, anything, rib, comic books, novels, and not not that I'm like just some great. Oh, I'm better because I'm not. But um, but it, do, it it is hard to turn off that part when you're uh, seeing something. You're like, oh, uh, when they set up something, and you're like, oh, this is going to come back later in the book, or later in the book, later in the series, um, or they're setting that up here. It, you start guessing a lot of things right, and my my wife swears I'm magic that way, but. <laughs> like no, they're they're not putting anything on there that's that's not important. You know, you, there, there's a reason everything's on the page. There's a reason everything's on the screen. So, I mean, it does kind of ruin some things because you can't turn it off. But right, I mean, I still still enjoy it. Does she ever call you like the uh, the David Blaine of of reading? <laughs> no, she doesn't like me that much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's David Blaine. Come on. <laughs> So 
So talking about writing, when did you know that you wanted to go professionally in, in being a writer? Have you always just been a, someone that jot things down? Or did you go to school for something like that? or? I well yeah I've always uh, been a been a writer of some sort. I mean I uh, when I was 15, 16 I had uh, cancer for a couple years and I was in the hospital, couldn't do much, and so my stepmom at the time bought me like a journal just to write things down because I my mind was racing, um, and then that's where it all started. I was like, dude, this is really cool. I can I can't go out and play. It can't be in the sun, but I can I can create my own world here. And it really just ran from there. Um, so when I did get into college, I did take some creative writing classes, did some stuff like that. But I mean, that wasn't my major, but, and it didn't help my major, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but I enjoyed it. I, I really liked it. And uh, yeah. And so then when I moved out here from Texas, moved straight to LA, was going to be the next Quentin Tarantino and that didn't work out. So <laughs> yeah, I've always wrote little comic books. I mean, um, as, as, as long as my kids have been around, which has been 20 some odd years now, we're always making comic books, writing things, drawing things, stuff like that. So, so I, I'm, it's something I've always wanted to do, but I felt like I had to get my kids grown before I jumped into that realm. So, so that's what I'm doing now. You haven't become Quentin Tarantino yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> yeah, see, you're you're on the path though. You, you're getting all the the comics out there. Somebody's gonna come and buy them and make them into movies, and then there you go, fast track to to Hollywood. That's how you do it. <laughs> that's what I heard. That's, that's <laughs> I think I think I read that actually this morning. There's there something I was reading that was like fast track to Hollywood, make independent comics, sell them. Then you're Hollywood gold. Um, yeah, it was like the, you know, one, write comics, two, make movies, three, profit, or something something to that effect. Yeah, it's pretty easy. I don't know why everybody doesn't do it. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I think it's great, though, that you, you know, because you were talking about you'd written spec scripts, and um, I think it's fantastic that you're, you know, never kind of really gave up or anything, and it sounds like everything's kind of starting to fall into place. And I think that that's so admirable as a creative, you know, I think one of the, the hardest things for creatives to do is actually to uh, have the perseverance to finally stay with it, to see all their hard work finally come to fruition. And it, it seems at least like you're right on the cusp of, of this just really taking off and, and exploding for you. And I have to say, uh, I know a lot of people don't have the same insight that we do uh, because we didn't you know, they didn't get to read the first issue, but I've read a lot of comics and I, I I definitely have to say that this is by far one of them that's grabbed me the quickest and held my interest all the way through the first issue and left me really excited to see where this is going to go and how these characters are going to develop and what relationships and things like that are going to come out of these, you know, situations. And I, I just, I got to say, I think that that's super awesome that you've, stuck with writing and and you're right here at this point now i think that's fantastic thank you very much that means a lot i appreciate it oh absolutely Thanks. yeah and i'm i'm totally looking forward to also uh reading disposable legends and and 
uh, your horror stuff too. Uh, horror short. I was gonna say short and stuff, and then it just kind of got like horror short. Uh, yeah. Horror short. Yeah, the horror short. Uh, I don't know how you guessed the name, but that's it. <laughs> uh, if it wasn't, it is now. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah. I uh, like. Would you? Do you have any ad- advice that you would maybe give to people that are maybe kind of? I mean, because I'm sure that you must have had those moments where you were kind of just you know, maybe doubting, you know, continuing pursuing writing as a, as a profession. Um, like, do you have any advice on, on how you kind of combated that internally and, and how you kind of stuck with it? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, it's, um, and I did have that moment, you know, I had a milestone birthday recently and, uh, and I looked at my wife and I was like, you know, I've been putting you guys through trying to get my dream done for the last, you know, couple years and I'm just bleeding money cuz I'm paying artist after artist after artist, which again, they deserve it. They're, you know, they're the artist or the artist and they deserve that money, but when when you're not publishing anything, that that money hurts when it's when it's leaving your bank account. <laughs> so, and I looked at my wife and I was like, you know, if I don't make it by if I don't have something published by the end of this year, I I think I'm just going to stop because I can't keep dragging y'all through this. And, uh, and she looked at me and she said, no, <laughs> she said, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to quit. So <laughs> I guess my advice is to wear, marry a good woman. Maybe <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and, um, and, and go to the cons. I mean, if you're just looking around for a day, even if it's a small con, go to the panels, listen to what people have to say. People that are making books, l- listen to them. Um, some of the best advice I heard recently at a panel was um, that to think of the money that you're bleeding out of your bank account as your education money. I mean, when people go to college, they spend tuition to learn their trade. And that's what this is. It's your trade. It's your, you're creating something with the hopes of publishing it. And that is your career, hopefully. So, of course, you should, it should be in your mind that I would need to spend money to learn how to do my trade. So that, that kind of helped, too. That's a fantastic quote. Like that's that is very powerful. I I would have I actually had never thought of it in that way, but that's actually very uh, like eye-opening to really stop and think about that. That's very good information. Yeah. Since I can't remember who said it, I'm going to take the credit. There, there we go. <laughs> Everyone listening just heard you say it. So in my book, <laughs> that is where the credit is. There you go. <laughs> see oh just see it where we're at here so we're still pretty good on time yeah yeah cool i wanted to know like with the idea of uh you know that you're you're self-publishing and stuff like that and getting your name out there how important is it uh is social media now in uh the this career path it's more important than i would have liked um (laughs) before (laughs) before all this i wasn't on anything i wasn't on facebook twitter nothing uh just kind of I didn't, I kind of shunned it, but, um, but now I'm on everything and I, and it is important. You don't realize the impact something like that can have the, the, you know, just getting your name out. I have this one guy in Sweden who swears he can't wait for the book to come out. And I'm like, you know, without social media, this poor guy in Sweden would never know about me. So, (laughs) so, I mean, it's, it's such a benefit. And I, and I'm, again, my wife, I'm glad that she, me to do that too so no yeah i, I think that's a 
that's a really interesting point to bring up because you know it's it's a lot like film and stuff now where you know yes there's the the big blockbusters but a lot of stuff has moved more to kind of independent and it's interesting how the internet has kind of opened up the doors to allow people to find very specific entertainment that meets their needs whereas before you know that might have been one of the biggest struggles is that you know you could have these amazing stories and these amazing writers and artists and things like that but you know maybe they just didn't find their audience because their audience was in another country or you know their audience was at an area where they didn't have direct access to that and so i think that that's one of the coolest things about the internet is it's really opened the door and allowed people to connect and share their you know creativeness and the things they create with a bunch of people without really having to have you know like marvel or dc or you know 20th century fox or something like that necessarily involved you know and so i think that's really cool that that that's available now yeah yeah no i've really i've really come to enjoy the 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 twitter facebook the, the whole aspect of social media i've really come to embrace and enjoy it uh and I think again, it was more my my age that was. Uh, I was like, ah, oh, no, I'm not going to get in that. That's for the kids. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it it really does help. And 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 again, and it's so important to be able to to put a face with a name. And I've met so many people through social media that I'll later later see at a con, and and you've already made that first step if you are looking to get into comics. That if if they already know your name and then they see your face, boom instantly it's a it's a it's a it's a leg up for you so um there's an old saying about it's not what you know it's who you know but i don't think that's true i think it's more who knows you because who cares who you know as long as they know you it's true yeah that is very true so i i, I would hope that uh, you add phoenix comic-con to that list of places you can go <laughs> so that we can meet you face to face also <laughs> of course, yes. Uh, hey, as long as y'all got a guest bedroom, I'll, I'll come on. <laughs> no, I, I've been looking at a lot of them, and then uh, Phoenix does look fun. Yeah, yeah they, we usually have a good time. Yeah, as I say, they they put on a pretty good convention. Actually, uh, we we were just sort of uh, well, not sort of. We were just at Fan Fest. Uh, what about a month ago? Well, yeah about a month ago and uh that's a little bit smaller but uh the phoenix comic-con actually i haven't been to it i know mitch has but it's significantly larger from what i understand right yes are you guys planning on being there in 2017 i think so i think we're trying to go everywhere we (laughs) everywhere we can (laughs) uh to be honest that's kind of a it'll just be a matter of how much money we can hemorrhage or not hemorrhage to travel and go to these things but the phoenix one shouldn't be too bad because it's it's right by us so nice yeah that'd be cool that'd be really cool so just to step away from uh you know your your projects here for a little bit but what what is it that uh you particularly geek out about other than horror novels uh maybe in the way of tv shows or movies um well i'm a big star wars fan being a child of that era um and then you know it's it's funny because um i remember watching not the first star wars because i'm not that old but um, empire strikes back was a big moment for me i mean i had the 
I had the bed sheets. I had the curtains. I had a. I even had a Princess Leia shirt for some reason, but I did. And uh, <laughs> and so I was big into Star Wars from the beginning. So then when Episode One and all those other kind of less than movies came out, my kids were growing up with them, and so I got to relive it all vicariously through them. You know, buying them the toys that I would play with when they go to bed. So, I mean, it, it is, and it's just been one big roller coaster after another with Star Wars. So, I'm a big Star Wars fan. My whole, uh, I have one little room dedicated to my Star Wars stuff. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, how excited? Uh, what are you? What's that? How excited for Rogue One? Rogue One, are you? Oh, very excited. Got my tickets the other day. We're gonna. Uh, Go seven o'clock opening night. Well, Thursday, so it'll it'll be it'll be good. It'll be fun. Right. It's so funny because uh, I like somebody. I was talking to somebody and they're just like, "Yeah, I just wonder if they're gonna make a sequel to Rogue One." And I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> <laughs> like you're you're kidding me, right? Four. Yeah, exactly. I was like, "You're totally joking." And they're like, "What?" I'm like, "Oh, it's like you're killing me, Smalls. What's happening?" <laughs> Yeah, I gotta say, I'm I'm I have to agree with you. Like I I remember getting into Star Wars when I was really young and and just being so enamored by it and and I think that's probably one of the biggest things that pushed me into you know uh, film and and geek culture and all that sort of stuff. And so it's been awesome and and super incredible to see you know kind of Disney come in and and purchase it and and commit to putting so many films out. And I think the cool thing for Rogue One, at least for me, is that it looks cinematically like it's going in a darker tone and a darker cinematography style than a lot of the other ones have and i think that's kind of exciting to see what they're doing with it and it's also kind of like a revisiting of this really awesome time within the star wars universe and so i think that's one of the biggest reasons that i'm super stoked for it oh yeah oh yeah couldn't agree more that's it looks amazing i mean it it <laughs> I'm just so excited for it. <laughs> are you are you going to be watching it like in IMAX or? <clears throat> yeah, I got the IMAX tickets. Oh, from the house, nice. So, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It'll be fun, man. I can't wait. <laughs> so, as far as TV and stuff, I, I, I'm stuck on Westworld right now. Uh, what is it? Walking Dead, of course. Yeah. I how uh, uh, how uh, how how shocking was uh, episode nine for you in Westworld? Is that the last one that just came out, or is it? Yeah, the one that came out last week. Okay, last week. I haven't seen the finale tonight, so I don't know about that one. Oh, uh, I'm so far behind. <laughs> <laughs> I got scared for a minute. We have to slam close the computer. But, uh... <laughs> no, <I was> <laughs> yeah, and interview's done. Uh... Uh, no, it was. Just when I, all right, that's one of those shows where just when I think I have something figured out, the next episode comes on. I'm like, okay, I don't know. I, I clearly don't know what I'm talking about because <laughs> they have a scene and I'm like, wait a minute. What, where is this timeline? What, what am I looking at right now? But it is so amazing. It is just amazing. Uh, I got to get caught up. I think I'm like, uh, I think I'm only like on the third or fourth episode. I'm super far behind. You lose your card. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta get caught up, man. I know. I've been—it's uh, like driving me nuts. Like I've literally just been like trying to avoid the internet, like the plague. I'm just like, oh, somebody's <laughs> gonna ruin this for me, and I'm gonna hate life for a long time until I finally get over my geek rage. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was, uh, I've got the walking dead recorder from tonight so I can finish watching it after, after we're done, but nice. Have you, have you watched, um, stranger things at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. The, I think the week it came out, I, cause I, I want to think that I saw a preview for it at Comic-Con or somewhere. I saw a preview for it before it came out. So I had it set like the day it came out, I was going to start watching that thing. And it, it doesn't disappoint at all. I mean, it's just amazing. No, I the totally storytelling is just amazing. I yeah, totally. I mean, there's so many good things. Totally agree. Yeah, that like retro '80s vibe too is just. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love that era and like the music and everything. I was just like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> and Netflix is. Uh, they've got they've got some really strong shows, man. Oh, I know they're it's unbelievable that they've come so far like ap- like relatively quickly too at least it seems like it's been pretty fast that they've just mm-hmm. taken over the exclusive content like crazy yeah 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 that, then they start filming season two of stranger things already or yeah I think they I think, they, I think they did that's gonna be a good one to watch do you have any other shows that's on Netflix that you're like did enjoy or that you're currently enjoying or that you would like highly, highly recommend people read or wow. not read, watch. Don't, yeah. You know, just turn the subtitles on and read Netflix yeah, for just, a few hours. If you're like me, you don't know how to turn them off and you're just like, Oh, screw it. I'm just going to read it. Like, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it's not a show, but I, I think it's called beast of no nation. Oh um, yeah. That was a, that was a really powerful uh, movie. Netflix, uh, movie um i've watched it a couple times just because it's it it hits you so hard um if you haven't seen it see it because and and it's not like a comic booky you know thriller horror i mean it's a it's a thriller in its own right but it's uh it's a really good movie yeah no it's it's definitely uh like hard to watch in a good way like that's kind of a weird way to say it but it's it really is like there's uh so much heavy content in it and edris elba just does such an incredible performance as do a lot of the younger kids that are in that too like they're dealing with some very dark content matter and they they just handle it like pros it's very impressive yeah i think that's what hit me too is that these kids it was almost there were some parts it was almost like watching a documentary and it just was kind of unnerving but it, I mean, they did such a great job. Absolutely, I know. I totally agree. Uh, well, we are getting pretty close to the end of our hour mark here. We got about five minutes left. So, um, and speaking and jumping, backtracking here for a little bit with uh, <laughs> with social media. Where can everyone go to find you and find the Wicked Righteous and Disposable Legends and all that stuff online? Okay. Um... Well, they can find me on Twitter. All of my things are either Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, at MayoTL, M-A-Y-O-T-L. Pretty simple. Um, and then there's links on every single one of my pages for the comic. Uh, I'm posting stuff all throughout the month, um, having giveaways. I gave away about 15 shirts the other day uh, that were pretty, pretty cool. Um, hoping to get those in the mail this week. Um, and I'll be doing that a couple more times before the book comes out, uh, just to kind of get the word out um, and maybe give some people some shirts for the winter. <laughs> but uh, but it'll be fun. And, and yeah, everything is Mayo TL. Um, and I did want to mention 
Lucas Romero is the artist on uh, Wicked Righteous, which I know we talked about. Yep. He does the pencils. He does the inks. Uh, and he also has Instagram, Facebook, uh, and his is Lucas Romero Art, um, and that's how you can find him. And then Chris Hall, he's the one who does the colors, and he's he really does some magic with the colors, man. It's just uh, <laughs> seeing the, the inks compared to the colors. I mean, the inks are amazing, but then when you throw in the colors, it's, everything just pops, and it's just, a, it's just really is amazing. Um, but he's also on Facebook, Twitter, everything. Uh, Chris Hall, and I want to think that his handle is uh, Fat Boys. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, awesome. And then, uh, did you have? Was there anyone else that was on that? Was there any? Uh, and then Brandon uh, De Stefano, he's doing the lettering. Oh, okay. Uh, Very yeah, cool. Yeah, so he's and he's uh, I think um, he's on everything as well: Twitter, Facebook, everything. Awesome. Well, we will definitely um, we'll definitely put all of the uh, social media links that you sent to us on the show notes and things like that, so that everyone that listens to the podcast can go and follow you on Twitter and give you a like on Facebook and buy like five copies of uh, the Wicked Righteous when it comes out because that's what everyone needs to do because it's awesome and it's amazing and yeah, like I I can't wait. I'm super stoked. Um, Mitch. Can you go ahead and give us the, the, the dates that they're going to be coming out again one more time? Sure. Uh, Wicked Righteous is going to be released on January 12th, 2017 uh, through Comixology. And it'll be released every other month. And then uh, Disposable Legends, we don't have a release date yet, but it'll be late fall uh, 2017. And you were going to do a Kickstarter for that, right? Right. The Kickstarter should be late summer when it starts. Uh, it just depends on it. We want to get most of the book, if not all the book done. And I just got through <laughs> doing my hundredth rewrite of the last chapter. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will have to, we'll have to get you back on to talk about the Kickstarter and a little bit more about disposable legends when we get to that uh, point. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, help drive some traffic to the Kickstarter that way because uh, <laughs> I just did an Indiegogo campaign for a short film I was working on and it is it is a full-time job in and of itself to to manage one of those so anything we could do to to help drive people towards awesome created stuff by you I'm all for so definitely let us much. know when that comes up and and we'll do that too Mitch do you, Mitch do you got anything else before we uh before we got to go here no I would just like to invite Terry to um, you know sign off with us the way we always sign off we, we, we say geek out and uh, it'd be right after I say uh, always remember to so would, would you be kind enough to do that with us sure yeah <laughs> uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of uh, Richard or I on, on social media on Twitter I am at agent underscore of the underscore bat Richard's also on uh, Twitter as at right going C-I- or sorry, R I C O W N. <laughs> and uh, if you want to get a hold of Geek Elite Radio, it's at Geek Elite Radio. Then go to our Facebook page, check out our uh, check out the community, be a part of the conversation, and then finally go to our website, GeekEliteRadio.com, to hear archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts in the Geek Elite Radio Network. And this is the Mitch and Rich Show on Geek Elite Radio Network, saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programs.